God is good. Amen. Hopefully and prayerfully. It's always something, right? I, I do want to share this with you all. Um, we got a, uh, normally we, you know, we've been sending um, uh, try to trail loads of food and supplies to uh, areas that are in a greater need than we are. And uh, uh, a few weeks ago we sent a truck, uh, a portion of a truck to, to uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It was during the time when New Orleans was hit again with the, uh, the flooding, so uh, we got it to Baton Rouge, and of course it, they connected with people from uh, um, New Orleans to be able to send some things there. So we were thankful and grateful for that, and we also preparing uh, with um, a, a part of a vehicle, uh, tractor trailer load to go to Kentucky. So we'll, we'll, that's on the making. It's, it's just about complete. They'll be rolling out uh, uh, probably on Monday if they hadn't already rolled out. But I want to read this uh, before we go into our message this morning. We've got this email that was sent to uh, House of Destiny Ministries. Uh, we don't know who this person is, have no clue. They did not state what area they were from. But her name is Erica Phillips. And this was sent uh, March the 2nd on 2017. Um, and it was sent to the uh, info at thehouseofdestiny.org. And the subject is, thank you. And this is what she writes. And I want you all to know that, you know, because we're small in number, it doesn't mean God's not doing great and mighty things. And we, we can be honored that God has chosen us to do this. It's, this is a message. She says, I just wanted to drop you a note to say thank you. You don't know me personally, but I wanted to thank you and your staff for your service, commitment, and love for this community. We send stuff everywhere, so I don't, we don't know what community this is, but they're very grateful. Then uh, she says, it is making an impact. Your work is bearing fruit, so thank you. Be encouraged. Then she says, you are making a difference. Keep it up. With gratitude, and she leaves her name as Erica. Of course, she leaves some scriptures that she's left here on, um, in the email. And the very first one I'm going to read, but the other, well, the first one is it's a statement. The remainder are, are scriptures, and it says, "Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, and all the places you can, and all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever." You can, and apparently this is by John Wesley. So they're encouraging us to continue to do the work that the Lord has called for us to do. And I'll read this again next Sunday for those that are not present today, so that that they will know that it's important uh, that the work God has called for us to do that it is important, and and, and it's a beautiful thing that someone would take the time to send House of Destiny our email to let us know and to encourage us to continue to do what we're doing uh, because it was, it's making an impact in their community, okay? So that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I guess at this point we're going to get ready to go live. I, uh, uh, I suppose uh, Dr. Mann is getting things situated for us for streaming live. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and we are live. Uh, once again, we want to say thank you for, for all the 
that are present and those that are absent and, and for the family, our church family that's uh, uh, in, in Liberia, uh, Pastor Anthony, uh, we want to send a shout out to them. Uh, he, he's constantly sending us uh, messages on Facebook. And so therefore, uh, we want to send a shout out to them and to all others that we are, we are uh, helping and being able to minister to. Um, but at this time, we want to go to the book of St. Matthew. We're going to go to the book of St. Matthew, uh, <clears throat> chapter number 6. Uh, St. Matthew, chapter number 6. And if the ladies will remind me uh, <clears throat> after services, we can, I can make an announcement. I had planned to do that prior to, but I kind of slipped my mind. Uh, St. Matthew, chapter <clears throat> number 6. We've been having an awesome time in the Word of God, and God has been uh, speaking and teaching us, and uh, it's, it's just so important that, that we are filled with the Word of God, but most of all, walk in the Word of God. And this morning, we want to talk about first things, first things. I did have first things first, but then the God said, no, first things. I want to talk about first things. Things that has top priority. First things. Okay? Matthew chapter number 6. Are we there? Alright. We're going to begin reading. We're going to read verse number 33 um, in Matthew chapter number 6. But then we're going to move to uh, verse number 24. But right now, we're going to read uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse number 33, because this is our key verse. Now, verse 33 says, But seek ye what? First. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, before we, we begin to talk about the kingdom, because it's telling us the the things that we're supposed to seek first, okay? But I want to take us to verse number 24. Um, verse number 24 in St. Matthew's chapter number 6. Now, we know in society we seek everything else first rather than the kingdom, right? Uh, anything that we're always chasing after, anything except God and the kingdom of God. But to understand what God is speaking about, we need to look at verse number 24. Now, verse 24 in St. Matthew's chapter number 6 says, No man can do what? Serve how many masters? Two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and what? Mammon. Okay. Uh, now, it talks about no man can serve two masters. When I looked at this, I found it very interesting that as Christ is speaking, he would put God and mammon is almost on the, almost on the same level. However, it's in man's eyesight, not God's. Because what he's saying, you can't serve two masters. God is one master, but who is this uh, mammon? Who, 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 what is this? And that word there, when you, when you look it up in the Greek, that word there means wealth or riches. In other words, it means money. Huh. 
So I, I found it to be very interesting that, that the Lord would say, you can't serve me and serve money too. It's like there's a competitiveness. You know, they compete. See, money is always competing with God. Because when it comes down to people, people would rather, would rather chase the dollar than chase God. Amen? So, and that happens. Now, wow, wow. I mean, I looked at that. I said, now, God, that is very powerful. He didn't put anything else there. He, he, put, he put mammon, which means wealth, riches, or your money. He says, and he didn't say uh, uh, fornication. He, 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 didn't, he didn't name any other type of sin, but he named money. And I'm like, money must be mighty strong that it can be a, a competitive force for God in the minds of people. That, that's, to me, that's very interesting. So that kind of makes me kind of be scared about wanting too much money. All right? It's okay to have, but we don't want to go to the extreme. Amen? Now, let's see what, what the reason why, why he's talking about wealth and riches and money. Now, let's go to the book of 1 Timothy. We're going to try to walk through this. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Now, make sure you hold your spot in Matthew 6 because we're coming back there. But we want to deal with these riches first, okay? Now, 1 Timothy chapter number 6. What is it about, about money? You know, the, there's a scripture that says money is the answer to all things. So you've got to have money when you go, go about to do your daily business, okay? But what is it about money that, that, that is to the point it's so powerful that it causes uh, uh, Christ to take note to his disciples about money and how people often worry about it? Amen? Now, First Timothy chapter number 6 says this, beginning with verse number 9. Verse number 9. Are we there? First Timothy Chapter number 6, beginning with verse number 9. He says, But they that will, will, will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Now, they that will be rich will fall. I mean, they will become entrapped or overwhelmed by. You know, sometimes we can become so overwhelmed about trying to get more and more and more that we lose sight of God. Anybody been there before? Amen. We can, we can lose sight. Amen. We'll put God on, on, on the back burner. And it's all about money. And see, and, and that's what has happened with our society today. That, you know, where it used to be, people didn't have to work on Sundays. But now, Sunday is a normal work day out in the workforce. It used to be set aside. And it's like, okay, you can if you want to. If you don't have to, it's okay. You know, it's almost voluntary. But now they have set it up. So that it's a part of the regular work day. It used to be when you worked on Sunday, you got paid overtime. Extra overtime. But now, because it's part of the, your work schedule, there's no extra money. See, see how the enemy works? Now, the Bible says here, but they that will be rich will become entrapped or it will fall into temptation. That's the danger of money. We can fall into temptation and a snare, and it says, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. That's dangerous, right? Foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and prediction. So, but look at verse number 10. This is that, that thing about this money. 
Not saying there's nothing wrong with having some money now. I want us to walk around here and say, well, I don't need no money. Yeah, you do. You know, regardless when it comes in plastic or whatever. Amen. Okay? Because but right now, you know, I kind of, I'm concerned because when you get that little card now, they got that little chip in it. And that scares me. I mean, when, I, when they told me talking about that chip, that scared me because I began to think about the mark of the beast, 666. And after a while, if you can, you know, you get that little chip, I want to know what it is about that chip. And next thing you know, we're going to have our medical information on the chip. And we have all this stuff put in our bodies and stuff. So it kind of scares me when we get talking about these ships and stuff, okay? Now, verse number 10 says, For the what? Love of money is the root of all evil. The love of it. It's like you can't get enough of it. He says, the love of it. It says uh, uh, that it is the root of all evil. Well, I pondered about that. I said, now, God, you said the love of it is the root of all evil. And I got to think about a, a root. A root is that which is beneath the surface. See, you can't see the evil in it because it's hid. See, money is not going to jump up and say, hey, hooray, come and get me. Chase me down. Work a whole lot of overtime to get me. Money's not going to do that. <laughs> but see, there's something hidden there because see, it's, it has a root. It says the love of it now, not money in general, but the love of it. It says it, it has a root. That which is beneath the surface, and the next thing is this, in order to see the root, the plant has to be pulled up. In other words, the root is invisible to the naked eye. Okay? So you got, you got to pull it up in order to see the root. Then, see, the plant is an offshoot of the root. So... Whatever's going on with the root, you're going to see that in the plant. So if something is diseased, and I think we talked about that on Wednesday, uh, if something is diseased, somewhere that root is, is diseased as well. It manifests itself into the plant. So we've got to understand the love of this thing that is competing against God, which is called money, it's, a, it's the root of all evil. The love of it. I can't, I, I'll, I'll do anything to get me some money. You've ever had some people that, you know, you experienced and came in contact with, it's all about the whole conversation about being rich, want money. But they may, apparently they've never read the, the scriptures, right? Because God speaks about it, amen? Now, let's go to Proverbs chapter number 10. Let's go to Proverbs. Because we're talking about first things. Proverbs chapter number 10. Proverbs. Chapter number 10, we're going, we have maybe two or three scriptures in, in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 10. I'm showing the danger of this thing that competes against uh, our spiritual walk with God. Proverbs chapter number 10, looking at verse number 15. Are we there? All right, it says, The rich man's wealth is his what? His strong city. See, the, 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 the rich man, his, he has confidence in his wealth. He feels like he doesn't need God. So he says, uh, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Wow. So that's a, that's, that's a flip side to each coin. When it deals with the rich, you know, they, they got confidence, you know, in, in their money. But the destruction of the poor is poverty. See, we have to change the poverty mindset. So those things are different. We've got to check that out. Now, let's look at Proverbs 23, because we're talking about first 
things, okay? And we're looking at this thing that's competitive against God and God's kingdom, which is called money. Now, Proverbs chapter number 23. Just going to walk through some scriptures about this money, about riches, so we can understand. Amen? Proverbs chapter number 23. Verse number 4. What does the first word say? Labor. Labor what? Not to be rich. Now, whose report are you going to believe? It says, labor not to be rich. Then it says, cease from uh, thine own wisdom. See, that, that, that's our wisdom, to labor to be rich. We don't think about what it's doing to us spiritually. You know? Sometimes when, when, the reason why most people do not like to look into the Word of God, uh, uh, be, have uh, a preacher to take them to the Word of God, it's because they don't want to know what the Word says. Amen? They don't want to know. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've had an interesting week where I've shared some things, you know, the Word with some people. And uh, blatantly, this is God's Word. This is what God says about this situation. And they're like, well, yeah, but. Yeah, but. I'm like, well, whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God say? Or are you going to believe what, what man then told you? And see, sometimes we'll rather listen to what man say than listen to what God says in the book. God said, don't you labor to be rich now. It's okay to have wealth. It's okay to have some stuff. But don't set your whole mindset on making some money. Because what does it say? He says, uh, he says set thine eyes. Um, okay, when he says, labor not to be rich. Cease from your own wisdom. Now, verse number 5 says, Will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? Look at this. For riches certainly make themselves what? Wings. The, the riches, that money, it can take wings and fly. Have you ever, you know, worked all week long and, and, and by the time you got to the end of the week, it seemed like you got holes in your pocket? Well, see, that's the wings. Amen. Because, because our top priority has been making that money. So what it do? It take wings and it fly. Your pocket empty. Anybody's pocket been empty before? And from week to week, right? You're laboring. That's why God said, don't labor to be rich. I mean, the book didn't say it. When you set your whole mind on to be rich and you lose out everything else, and God said, whoop, there it go. Oops, there it go. It then took some wings and it took off. Amen. So he tells us now, and the reason why he says, for riches, then it says that key word, certainly make themselves wings. And, and, in other words, it's, it's a done deal. It, it's going to take wings and fly. So don't, don't put your mind set on that, I, I've got to have this money, I've got to have more and more and more. No, no. Look what the Bible says, because it says, they fly away just like an eagle flies toward heaven. That, that it, it dissipates, it, it goes. You're like, oh. I wonder what happened to all my money. Anybody said that before? Well, it then took wings because we lost the priority. God says, will you never put money on the, on the same competitive field with God? God is number one. Amen. But it shows you the strong root that money has. It shows you the strong root about that. Because that's what everybody's chasing after they chase after that dollar, right? They chase after the dollar. Now, let's look at Proverbs chapter number 11. Proverbs 11. 11, 
Proverbs 11 and, I believe, 11 and 28. Yeah, 11 and 28. Proverbs 11 and 28. Are we there? It says, He that trusts in his riches shall do what? Shall fall. But the righteous shall, shall flourish as a branch. So, so if you're righteous, God's going to take care of his people. Amen? God is going <coughs> to take care of his people. Amen? But he tells us, do not trust in the riches. Don't trust in our money because it's going to take wings, right? And then, I, I, you don't have to turn here, but you can write this down. Matthew 13 and verse number 22, it talks about the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. So it lets me know riches is deceitful. It paints a beautiful picture. Money paints a beautiful picture. But it says the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes out the word. It chokes out the very thing that we need. It chokes out the word. Amen. It chokes it out. Now, let's go back to, to Matthew chapter number 6. Going back to Matthew chapter number 6. Say Matthew chapter number 6. Understanding now, we, we, understanding that we've got to put first things first. First things got to be first. First things got to be first. First things. Money is not first thing. The money is not first thing. So Matthew chapter number 6. Now, we're going back to verse number 33. Because we've got to remember, if we cast our burdens upon the Lord, He promised to sustain us, right? He promises that. That's in His Word. That's why we have to declare the Word of God over our lives. If, if we trust God, if we cast those burdens, if we throw those burdens upon the Lord, then God says in His Word, He will sustain us. That, and, and God does not lie, right? So we're talking about first things. Now, money, money is not the first thing, right? According to the Word of God. Now, he says here, now, in verse number 33, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To seek something means you are really diligently searching for it. You're diligently searching for what you're seeking for. So he says the first thing you're going to seek for is to seek for the kingdom. And then he talks about all of these other things are added. Now, let me read before we deal with the kingdom. Let me read verse number 25. Because remember now we talked about the money. Now verse 25 in Matthew 6 says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat, what you should drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. I looked at that and I saw three key words when it deals with your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and about your body. All those, those three things, that, what they have in common is the fact they're all natural. It, it's the physical body. It's flesh. It's flesh. God said, don't worry about all that. Don't, don't worry about all of that. He said, don't worry about all of that. Now, 26 says, behold. He said, I want you to look. See, oftentimes we don't take time to be still long enough to look. He says, behold the fowls of the air. 
If you can put your mind, think about the birds. You just think about the, the fowls of the air. He says, for they sow not. In other words, they don't plant nothing. They don't have a planting season at all. Neither do they reap. They don't gather in a harvest. They don't wait so many months. Nor gather into the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? God said, listen, if you're worried about how you're going to make ends meet, he says, what you need to do is take a stroll, go outside, and better yet, he said, you don't even have to go outside. He said, what you need to do? He said, you sit still and you listen to that bird chirp. If you begin early in the morning, that bird is chirping. You know why he's chirping? He's just like a wine oak. He knows that somewhere during the day, he's he going to have some food to eat. Because, see, some of us going to throw some out. Amen? Some of us are going to throw some things out. Or God's going to bring things from the beneath the earth so that bird can eat those worms. So, so you got to understand that. He says, if you're concerned about what you don't have, what you're going to eat, or what you're going to dress, and you know, what you're going to cover your body with, and then what you're going to take in as far as drink, God said, listen, you go look at the fowl and see how I take care of them. There's a certain time all these birds just fly in from everywhere. Now, surely, whatever journey they was on, they had to stop somewhere and eat. They had to stop somewhere. So God had made a provision for them. He said, now, are you not better than that? Think about it. God said, I love you. You are, you are created in my own image. He said, are you not better than that? He said, I will provide for you. He said, I'll provide for you. Then verse 27 says, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? In other words, what you worried about. He said, you can't change the situation by worrying, right? Amen. You can't change it by worrying. Yep, Brenda. Brenda worries. <laughs> but God, you know what? Worrying is a sin. The Bible says worrying is a sin. He said, you can't change nothing about worrying. He said, you cannot do not one thing about worrying. You can't change nothing. He says, you know, don't, don't think about it. Don't worry about that. And then he says, and why take ye thought for your ram and others the things that you wear? He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I've got a piece of lily in my house, you know. And, and, and when I read that scripture, I thought about that piece. I looked at it. And see, there are certain times, all of a sudden it begins to blossom again. Here comes this is the shoot of little beautiful white lilies coming up out of that green. I mean... Even God said that is even more beautiful than Solomon that everybody was just so fascinated with. He said, if I would just take time and look at those little things, he said, I can see God at work. You can see God at work. He said, I, if I can do this, I mean, bring beauty up out of that. He said, what can I bring out of you? I mean, that, that, that is awesome. That, that, that's awesome. So he says, listen, don't worry about that. And then he says in 29, he says, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. It's the, Solomon, the, the beauty of that lily or the fields of the lily. You're driving down the road and you see all these beautiful flowers. He said even Solomon's glory is nothing compared to that. Nothing. And then verse number 30 says, Wherefore?
Therefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not even more clothe you, O ye of what? Little faith. Little faith. God said, when we worry, 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 God said, we got little faith. He said, look around. He said, I've done all these other things. He said, I, I provided, I take care of these things. He said, but allow your faith to, in, to be in him, to trust in him. Because he says, when we do all these things about worrying about, you know, how we're going to do this, how we're going to pay this, God said, oh, ye of little faith. He said, I'm going to take care of you. And you know what? And when we think about it, when we get through that journey of whatever we're in, in that journey, huh, when we get to the end, we'll look back and say, wow, I can't imagine how I even made it through that. Well, I got the answer. It was God. It was God. You know, when, you, when you're like, I don't know how, this, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm worried about that. And all of a sudden, you're at the end of that road, and you're like, oh, wow, I made it. I made it. See, it was God. But we don't, we don't take the time to, to smell the lilies, the flowers of the field. We don't take the time to, to think about how good God is and, and everything that he brings our way. It may appear to be small, but it's what we needed. It was what we needed at the time. Amen. So he says now, he says, uh, don't you realize you're going to be clothed too? Then verse number 32 says, for after these things do the Gentiles see. It's not a Gentiles are the ones that consider dogs of the unsaved. You know, I can see the unsaved worry because they don't know God. But the thing is, we as children of God, we should know God. We should know that God will provide, right? That God does provide. Amen. He does provide. Now he says, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. It's not like God went on vacation and forgot to pay the light bill. He knows we got need of all these things. He knows that. He knows all these things, these, these things that we need for our natural body. He knows. But this is what he said. He said, I want you to seek ye first, first things. I want you to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, then he says all of this stuff is going to be added. Why well, labor for it when it's going to be added? Now, that's the difference between laboring and, and, and adding. See, so you can labor for some, some stuff, and next thing you know, you've you got a subtraction going on. You know? But, think, okay, give you a prime example. You work. Most folks work or get some kind of check, right? Now, either you'll labor for that money all week, are you waiting on that check to come? Well, it's the first of the month like I do. You know, and I'm with Dr. Matthew, you know, wait on. But when it tells you it's going to be a set amount, right? Well, when you get that check, it's not the set amount. They told you it's going to be there, right? So there's some subtractions going on, right? There's some deductions. But when God, the Bible says, when God uh, gives us uh, uh, riches or wealth, he says, the Bible says, it adds no sorrow. So the wealth that comes from God and, and the addition that comes from God, it doesn't add no sorrow to my life. That's amazing. But when it comes down to man, man will subtract them dollars and get his first. And he will get his first, right? We've labored all week. Amen. And then when we get that check, man and already took out what he's going to take out and give you the leftover. Who did the work? You did. I did. We 
did the work. But it, what happens is we have to understand we want the wealth of God. Because, see, the wealth of God doesn't add any sorrow. But the way that comes, it comes by the way of seeking the kingdom first and his righteousness. Now, let's talk about first things. Talk about this kingdom. Let's go to St. Luke chapter number 17. St. Luke 17. St. Luke chapter number 17. Very familiar scripture. Very familiar. St. Luke chapter 17. Are we there? St. Luke chapter number 17. Now, talking about the Bible says, Seek, seek ye first the kingdom. The kingdom. Now, verse number 20 says this. Verse 20 says, And when he was demanded, talking about Christ, when he was demanded of the Pharisees, now the Pharisees are the ones that wound and scatter, okay? When the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. In other words, it's not an external thing. It's, and see, that, that, that's, that's the uh, uh, misteachings that is taught out here. It's, oh, we're going to take it by force. We're going to take it by force. We're going to take the kingdom by force. They're looking for something external. We're going to go to this community, and we're going to go do this, and we're going to take this. We gonna... No, you're not. God, you don't even know what the kingdom is, according to what the Bible says. Now, what does the Bible, and where does the Bible say where the kingdom is that we're supposed to be taking, right? That's what we're supposed to take by force. Verse number 21, it says, Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. So if you're going to take something by force, we've got to take what's on the inside of us. See, what am I supposed to be seeking? I'm seeking for the kingdom that's inside of me, not outside of me. And see, that's where the, the, the body of Christ and people get confused. They're looking for something outside of themselves when all the time it's on the inside. Now, most people don't care nothing about no kingdom. They, they, they're so busy chasing the money, they're not even worried about the kingdom. They're not worried about searching self. In order to search self or seek out the kingdom on the inside of us, and the kingdom represents the foundation of power. My God, the foundation of power is on the inside. So if I search in me and find the foundation of power, then there's a lot of things that I'm faced with that I don't have to worry about. I can declare it and decree it, and it shall be done according to the word of God. But I've got to start seeking the foundation of power that's on the inside of me. That's on the inside of you. Some of us don't even realize we got power. We got power. We can talk. Have you ever heard people walk around, Oh, I got Holy Ghost fire power. I got all the... And the least little thing show up and they're like, Whoop! I don't know what I'm going to do. I just don't know what I'm going to do. Shaking in their boots. But I thought you said, You got Holy Ghost power. Now, if you had Holy Ghost power, you speak to that devil and you tell him, Satan, you get behind me. See, that's the kind of power, the foundation of power we have on the inside. That's the kingdom. Seek what's on the inside. Stop looking for stuff on the outside. It's on the inside. God. And you know what? Most times, people don't want to search what's on the inside because they're afraid of what they may run up on. 
Well, let me tell you something. If you run, let me tell you what you now. If you start searching for the kingdom, you're bound to run upon the king. And see, when you run upon the king, now everybody don't desire the kingdom. Everybody don't desire the the, the king. See, the kingdom is not attractive. Let's look at. Keep your place there and 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 and, uh, and Luke now. But let's look at um, Isaiah chapter number fifty-three. Isaiah. Chapter number 53. Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Because most people, they, they don't think, they, they, don't, they don't desire. They don't desire the kingdom. The kingdom is not attractive. You know, it, it, you know, it, it won't take wings and fly if, if you operate in it. Amen. But, but, but most people don't, don't find the kingdom attractive. That's why you see so many people no longer in, in church or, or in fellowship anymore. Amen? Uh, because it, it's now, it's not about the kingdom. It's not about God. It's not about that. Now, Isaiah chapter number 53, looking at verse number 2. Remember now, the kingdom is not attractive. Every kingdom must have a king. Okay? Now, verse number 2 in Isaiah chapter number 3 says this. For he shall grow up. He's talking about Jesus Christ. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. It's hard for something to grow up out of dry ground. If you think about it, in the desert, it's difficult. There's nothing beautiful about what grows up in the desert. It looks kind of puny, right? Now, it says, he, talking about Jesus, he hath no form nor comeliness. In other words, there is nothing magnificent about the, the, the kingdom or the beauty of God, okay? Because it, it appears to be, it's not attractive. Because we're so busy looking for a man. When I said looking for a man, we're talking about we'll, we'll put the, the pastor or the leaders in God's place because see, we can see them. But what the, our problem is we can't see God, but yet there's something about him that's a whole lot more beautiful than one that stands before you. Amen? It says, for he, uh, for his, he has no form, nor comeliness. Now, in other words, there's nothing magnificent. Nothing magnificent. Okay? And then it says, and when we shall see him, talking about Christ, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That's awesome. There is no beauty. See, that, there is no beauty, most people say, but they're, they're, they hadn't connected with the foundation of power. There's no beauty or there's not a desire for the kingdom of God or for salvation, to be honest. People are not concerned about being saved. They're not concerned about after this life is over, there is another life. They think this is it right now. Well, baby, you're going to have a rude awakening. <laughs> you're going to have a rude awakening because there is an afterlife. You know, but, but most, most times we don't talk about that or we don't preach about that because we're always talking about getting my stuff. I heard somebody tell me, well, they, they told me, oh, it's my season. My season, I'm going to have this. What about having God? And the promise that God says, if you seek me first, then all the stuff you want, it's going to come out. It's going to be added to you. See, we like these little cliches that don't mean a, a worth nothing. A hill of beans, amen. All these wonderful little cliches. That's just somebody, every time I somebody repeating something, somebody else doesn't say it. But what about what God says? He, said, he, he says, 
But there is no beauty that we should even desire Him. People are not desiring God. They're not desiring salvation. They're not desiring living righteously. They're not desiring that. They want something they can see. What good is having something you can see when you can mess around and when, the, when, when that uh, day of resurrection comes, you won't see something all right, but it's not going to be what you want to see. But we get to understand this is God is the best thing that's ever happened to any of us. Because one thing is sure, you, you can go to man for, for, so much, for so long. Because see, man's supply is limited. God's supply is never limited. Never. That's why, you know, when, we, when Dr. Manning pulled that, 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 that the uh, email from, that was sent to House of Destiny, and somebody was thinking, they were thanking uh, us for what uh, were being sent to their community. Community means a whole lot of people. And you look around, look at our community. <laughs> we can count them, right? I'm not talking about an extra, I'm talking about House of Destiny. See, see, the thing is, it's God that's doing that. It's the Lord. It's God. But you have been chosen to do the work of God, to do kingdom work. I mean, that, that was encouragement. That's encouragement to say, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on doing the thing that God has called us to do. Because God, when we get to heaven, you can be getting some... some some, uh, uh, not only your crown, but you're going to get all these little, these jewels and stones in that crown, and you're going to wonder where they come from. And he's going to say, well, do you remember when? Do you remember when y'all did this? Do you remember when y'all stayed faithful and committed in the midst of adversity? He says, I'm, I'm going to reward you for that. I'm going to reward you. I mean, it's just amazing to desire him. Even though nobody else may not want him, you desire him. You desire. It's up to every individual whether or not they desire God or not. Can't nobody else make you, you, you go on maturing God. That's up to you. That's up to you. How much time are you spending with God? And when I say time spent, I mean quality time. It's not so much in quality because you can have a whole lot of quantity and still don't be with God, right? You know how I tell you how that is. You can have the Bible out, but you also have the TV on. Now, who are you listening to? Because something that you, that you that tingles your ear, huh, your eyes will come from that Bible and you're going to be on that TV. Or better yet, not only that, but what about the cell? Oh, this is this, I love this. The cell phone will start ringing. And let you know what happens. You move away from God and you got, and see, that's a setup from Satan anyway. That's a setup from Satan. When you're, when you're in the presence of God, and God is speaking, you watch it. That enemy will show up every day. If not a knock on the door, that phone going to ring. Something going to happen. It's going to remove your attention from where it needs to be. But see, we've got to put first things first. First things first. Now, let's go back. Let, let's, let's go back to... Okay. Now, let's go, let's go to John 3. St. John chapter number 3. St. John chapter number 3. St. John chapter number 3. Because we're still talking about the kingdom. Still talking about... The kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom, all of his righteousness. All of these things shall be added. All right. Now, talking about the kingdom. All right. St. John, chapter number three. Very, very familiar scripture, but most of us don't really know what it means. Amen. 
Things. We've been taught certain things. Hmm. You know the Bible does say steady, right? It didn't say read. It said steady to show yourself approved, right? You got to make sure you rightly divide the word of God, the word of truth. You got to rightly divide it. Because everybody that's out there is not rightly dividing. Because we have ourselves totally confused. Totally. All right? Now, St. John chapter number 3. Talking about uh, a Pharisee, his name is Nicodemus, all right? And Nicodemus is supposed to be a teacher, supposed to know, but he really does not know, okay? Now, St. John, chapter number 3. Now, begin reading at verse number 3. St. John, chapter number 3. Now, begin reading at verse number 3. It says, Jesus answered and said unto him, because he's speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a teacher. Now, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be what? Born again, he cannot see the kingdom. And where is the kingdom? On the inside. It's within. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom unless you've been born again. All right, now, here's where studying comes in, okay? It says you can't see the kingdom until you've been born again, right? Now, the word born there means to procreate. And, and the Greek, the word born means to procreate. In other words, you're able to give birth to something, all right? Uh, and then the word again that word again, it means from above. So in order to be able to see the kingdom that's on the inside of you, you have to be uh, uh, created or the spirit man within you has to be born again. It has to come from above. There has to be a spiritual birth. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It has to be a spiritual birth in order to see what the kingdom is on the inside. See, if, if, if you don't, if you, can, you can't discover the foundation of power because most people have not truly been born again or spiritually born from above. You've got to be born from above. If you're not born from above, then you can't see what's inside of you. You always got to have somebody to validate you. You always got to find somebody to speak into you. That ain't what the book said. He said, if you, if you discover the kingdom, that foundation of power that's within you, you already know who you are. You don't need nobody to tell you who you are. Because God done already told you. Oh, I'm going to go here. They're going to tell me. Tell me what? Get in the book, and the book will tell you about you. The book will tell you who you are and whose you are. We walk around here to have no clue who we are. And the, and, and the enemy makes mince meat out of us. Why? Because we don't know what's in here. Why? Because most, most people do not like to read. That's why they put it in the book. Why? Amen. Amen. But God says first things first. He says, seek the kingdom. Seek, 
Seek what's on the inside of you. Seek out that foundation of power. Then when you get that, and see, when you get that spiritual birth from above, I'm not talking about no natural birth. That's what's wrong with Nicodemus. Nicodemus want to know how he get back in his mother's womb and all that mess. He was a, now tell me something. He was a teacher. A teacher. He was a teacher. A teacher. I, I mean, want to talk folk. Man, he had no idea about the spiritual birth. That he couldn't even see what was on the inside of him. Now look what he, look what he said. Nicodemus, verse number four, he says, uh, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Sound like a fool, right? Uh, just think about the questions he's asking Jesus. Now he's a teacher. And he's teaching somebody and don't even know about the spiritual birth themselves. And then Jesus says, Jesus answered, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, then he says, You cannot enter, or he cannot even enter, into the kingdom of God. So there's some things that has to happen there. See, with that spirit of birth, once you get that spirit of birth, then you'll understand, okay, I, I, I can see. I can see who I am. I can see what God says about me. And then God, all of a sudden you're able to enter into that kingdom. And once you enter into that kingdom and begin to eat from the table from on the inside of you, because the king is on the inside and the king got a wonderful table. The king. See, see, he could not even understand. He, he, him being a teacher. And then he says this, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That's why he couldn't see. That's why most people can't see, because that's too busy looking in the natural. They're busy looking in the natural and not looking in the, uh, through the eyes or through the lenses of the spiritual. You get to have that spiritual birth from above. That's why the Bible says, you know, we are new creatures in Christ. You know, old things are passed away. See, when we can't release the old thing, that means our 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 eyeglasses or our our vision is still clouded. Because the word of God says you're a new creature. And a new creature, it says those things are passed away. So why we I told one lady, I said, Listen, why are you still fishing? Why are you still fishing? Christ throws that stuff in, 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 in the sea. And it's gone. Why you still got your fishing pole out fishing? Why, why, why you still got that, that fishing pole? You fishing for stuff that you used to do years and years ago. As when, when you still need to be walking in the new creature that you are. Yeah. But listen, this is the last verse. Let, let's go to Romans 14. This is the last verse. Romans chapter number 14. Romans 14. Romans chapter number 14. Give us a minute to get there. Romans chapter number 14. We're talking about the kingdom. Because he says first things. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. Then all this other stuff is going to be added. Now, Romans chapter number 14. Looking at verse number 16. Now we're there. It says, Let not them, let not then your good be evil spoken of. Hmm. 
17 says, For the kingdom of God is what? Meat and drink. In other words, the kingdom is not match in the natural. Okay? It's not about the natural man. But, this is what the kingdom is. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. See, the kingdom is not in meat or drink. It's not external. It's, it's not physical. But the, but the kingdom is spiritual. When you look at these words here, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, all those are spiritual things. You can't see peace, but you can feel peace. It's spiritual. It's, it's, it's spiritual. You, you can't see joy, but you can see it from people excited, and they can exemplify joy. But joy is a spiritual gift. It's, it's spiritual. See, in the kingdom, when we operate in the kingdom, we have to understand we operate in spiritual principles. We need to be seeking out for peace, righteousness, and joy. Not what we're going to do to feed the flesh. And see, that's what the enemy does. He always dangles that little carrot because he wants us to feed the flesh. And the sad part about flesh is this. It's going to deteriorate. It's going to leave. But those spiritual things, peace, joy, all that good stuff, it's going to remain. But what God says to us today, first things, first things. If you want all that other stuff, he said, I'll add it. But you got to do it first things first. First things, first things. First thing is seeking that kingdom, seeking what's on the inside of us. Starts going on a treasure hunt. Most of the time people talk about treasure hunts. They ain't talking about the treasure hunt on the inside themselves. They talking about the treasure hunt somewhere on some kind of valley or desert or something, digging for some gold. Treasure hunt. No. The treasure is in you. Each one of you have a treasure on the inside. How about going seeking here? Seeking within to find the treasures that God has laid on inside of you. First things first. Now let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We thank and praise God for his word. I pray, I pray that you, you were blessed by the word. Amen.